Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, March 10th, 2017. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on hockeybuzz.com. Well, we had a really busy schedule in the NHL last night. A lot of uh, eventful events <laughs> that occurred in the league. Uh, we're going to start off, first of all, with the game at Air Canada Center. I think the game that probably had the most playoff ramifications between the Maple Leafs and the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Maple Leafs win at 4-2. Uh, Mitch Marner scores. Nazem Kadri. It was a really entertaining game for a while, but Russ... I think the first thing that I picked up from that game, and it was a little bit of a questionable thing going into the game, was the decision of Dave Haxtall to go with Michael Neuverth over Mason after Mason. I think he's 3-0-1 in his last four games. And Neuverth, he didn't do badly overall, but he was really shaky in the first couple periods. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it this morning, like on Sirius. I have that up on Audio Boom. I, I thought the Marner goal, while it was a good goal, I thought he took forever to try and get in position to possibly stop that. And then and then the guys brought up the Bozak goal, too. And it's true. I mean, both of those, probably one of them at least he'd want back. But this is a tough decision to make because, you know, now they're going to go into Boston. They they lost on a, on a four-point swing. Those four-point swings this time of the year are a killer. And... I thought the only reason to have two goalies is to play the hot hand. They didn't play the hot hand, and he went with a hunch. The hunch didn't work, and I don't, I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to say yet that this is going to cost them the season, mm-hmm. but it's cost them dearly. Like it's, you can't. If they go through another four point loss to Boston on both goalies, then you can maybe throw your hands up and say it's something else. But if Mason wins his next game, then people are really going to point to this game. Well, I'm, it, it's funny because yesterday I said, from my memory, and I don't, I don't know the head-to-head stats, Mason has never played well against Toronto. So, I mean, I understood the reason why he might go towards Neuverth. But the fact that is Neuverth didn't play, the last game he played was that outdoor game that you were at. Yep, and, yep. and he was not that good in that game either. So, you know, it, it, I mean – I know he signed a new contract and everything, and that really doesn't really matter. But, you know, right now, when you're like last year, they went with Mason all the time down the stretch. And it's a little strange that they went away from that. Yeah, I I was surprised. I I think it was a little strange. I think um, the Flyers' power play could have been a lot better. I think Shane Gostaspear may have found himself a spot on the bench again. I mean, while the goal that he got was really nice, that turnover was awful. Like, what made that turnover really bad was that last second just giveaway to to the Leafs and gave them that empty net goal. If it would have just been, hey, you didn't hold the line with the extra man, but you got the puck control of the puck, nobody would have said anything. But the fact that he went to make that extra move and just put it right on the stick, that's where you have to say he was under duress and you worry about when players are under duress what the hockey IQ will do and the strength will do. And that's where I think 
his hockey IQ is usually pretty good. The strength wasn't there. And so he loses that puck and the Leafs win the game. The other thing that I thought was telling, which is something that, you know, you've always pointed out, when the Flyers had that lead, like why do the Leafs always give back a lead? Well, they were penalty after penalty. They gave the Flyers every opportunity to get back in that game with penalties. And the Flyers just didn't take advantage. Yeah, Gostaspur is a sort of a double-edged sword because, I mean, he, he he took the shot on the Simmons goal. It was a nice blast, the one that made it three, that narrowed the lead to three to two. But the Leafs have sort of their own double-edged sword in, in Jake Gardner. And if you if you remember that, and, and I know that uh, and you may have seen the highlight of it, but I know you missed the Bozak goal. Yes. The, the Flyers had a really good opportunity to take the lead after a bad Gardner giveaway. And Frederick Anderson, who played great last night, made two saves. One, I think, was Shen, and then the rebound was Delzato, and he turned away Delzato. And right after that, Bozak comes down and shoots it right inside the, the far post on uh, on Neuver's stick side, gives Toronto a lead that they will never relinquish. But th- that's the thing. Gardner is a, still, even with the positive matchups, even with keeping him away from top lines, he still – makes the key giveaway at the wrong time. And only by the grace of God and Frederick Anderson did they not give up the lead at that point. Yeah, Anderson had a really good game. I mean, I thought he really played strong in the third period. There were some points where he even was um, down low getting tested pretty well and, and came through that. So that, that, was, that was a good win for the Leafs, Mike. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good win. Okay. But All right. I just want to see if you, you would say that. It was a good win, but the – the signs of my the signs of the concern that I have regarding the Leafs popped up throughout that game and is the they reason did. why. Yeah, and and you know Alexi Marchenko, who they brought in off of waivers, who they played regularly since uh, you know uh, Connor Carrick got injured, he was benched the last fifteen minutes of that game. So they continue this mix match. You know maybe Carrick gets back in the lineup. The whole thing is their defense is not good enough. I don't think their defense is good enough to get them in the playoffs. But we'll we'll see. But they. But you know the penalty kills better with Brian Boyle. You got to give him that. Oh yeah, and their penalty kill is and and in the third period you can see the reason why Babcock wanted Boyle. Boyle was taking every other face off. If it yep. wasn't Bozak, it was uh, it was Boyle. Kadri is at best a fifty percent guy. Boyle is more like fifty three, fifty four percent, and that that makes a difference when it comes down to the end of the game. Um, the other the other game uh, that we'll start talking about. We'll talk about most of them here, but the. Now, the Rangers going to Carolina. Carolina is out of it. But Carolina and Bill Peters, that team is not going to lay down for anybody, even though they're out of it. And they took a lead. The Rangers came back. And then late, Carolina wins the game 4-3. to three. And apparently, Elaine Vigneault was not too happy at the end of the game. No, I mean, here, here's the thing. So you had a, a moment where Elias Lindholm's in the crease, puck shot, and and Auntie Ranta got elbowed in the in the head. Now he was in the blue paint, and and so this this was a contentious point. Apparently the the officials told Elaine Vigneault originally that Ranta was out of the paint, but then when they reviewed it, they saw that he was in the paint. So what they said is his head was out of the paint. So like almost like he was asking for it. And and so here's my and this is there's a lot of self-deprecating Ranger fans out there, ones that will say, hey, don't blame the loss on the officiating. And I didn't, you know, I, I, and I understand where that comes from. And what I, and I didn't say the Rangers lost the game because of that. But what I did say is 
now goaltender interference is becoming a bit of a joke because if this blue paint is not safe for goalies, then just take it away. Because now if you're going to measure where a guy's head is, which conceivably it seemed like it was in the blue paint, and I think it's pretty judgmental to try and tell somebody his head was out of the paint so it was okay that it got hit. Right. It's not a good, it's not a good reason, and I understand why Vigneault blew up. And, and it's just it's one of these things now where if a goalie's in that paint, you shouldn't be able to touch him. But clearly now there's extenuating circumstances. And now I don't even know what goaltender interference is anymore. Well, I mean, I've seen calls where they reversed goals on goaltenders who were outside of the paint, who the player was clearly going into them. So this may be a, some sort of redefinition of, of what goaltender interference is. Again, yeah, you know what? They're supposed to do that after the season. You don't right. redefine it in season when nobody fully knows what it is anyhow. That's the thing about rules. When you set a rule, you have to follow that rule for the entire season. If you find out during that season that it's not good, like the offside rule, they've already said, you know what, it's only nine goals, so we're going to leave it. Okay, but at least you've decided and looked at it. They haven't looked at this yet. Well, so, here's, my, yeah. here's, here's my concern, and I, I, I voiced this before. This goaltender goal interference and, uh, and this offside, the video review for this, is going to be so big and so controversial when it comes to the playoffs when goals will mean more. I, I mean, I, 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 can just, I can just see, like, I mean, obviously a game or a series turned on this, and it's going to be a big cluster F when it does happen. Because yes. right now, and the, the, the reason I say this is because it seems to be, even though there are rules put in place, it seems to be subjective sometimes, right? It is subjective, and that's what I said last night. It's completely subjective. The other interesting thing about this game was Sebastian Ajo just shined, man. He was just – he was a beast. He he had two goals and an assist, I think. He, he may have 20 now in the season, and I don't remember if I put him on the preseason list, but I remember when we talked about it as far as for Calders um, yeah. that there were 13, 14 guys, and he was in the conversation. We've been talking about him all year. He's probably not going to win it, but he could ease his way into the into the top three now if he continues because he has now become a force. He doesn't have a ton of points, but he has a lot of goals, and I'm happy to see it because this should always tell people when you look at a draft and you look at players and you say, yeah, you know, this draft was good, and, and you identify players X, Y, and Z, well, then here's another one, and it happens all the time. Yep, and he was not a first-round pick. No. So, um, another key uh, outing and a little bit of surprising. Oh, by the way, let me just, let just go back to the Rangers for a second. A late scratch for Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. They post a play. They say lower body injury. I haven't heard anything on the severity of this. Were they just being careful? Were they just giving them? They might just be being careful with him and Nash. We don't really get a, a sense for what the injuries were there. Grabner, we know he hasn't made his way back yet, so that's that's an obvious. So, look. The Rangers will never say it, but they're in the position where health is more important than wins right now. Yeah. Um, okay. The uh, another key game was Tampa Bay playing the Minnesota Wild, and Tampa Bay wins this game four to one. And Andre Vasilevsky again plays great, but this was a costly win for the for the Lightning. They lose Tyler Johnson, Nemestikov, and Cedric Paquette all to injuries during the game. A couple of them, you know, it's funny because I think it was I think it was both uh, both Nemestikov and Johnson were uh, injured on 
uh, confrontations or, or fighting for the puck with Nito Niederreiter. Um, and so, you know, he's a tough cookie to, to fight against. Yes. How's that trade working out for the Islanders, by the way? Mm, yeah. Mm, I don't know. How is it working out? No, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, these three forwards, and uh, I know it was uh, Joe Smith, who's the uh, guy who covers the Lightning for Tam- the Tampa Bay uh, Times. Um, he joked that Matthew Pekka should get his bags packed because all these players are now listed day-to-day, but it doesn't sound like it's like they're going to be back uh, you know, by early next week, it sounds like this, this could be lengthy injuries. And after trading Boyle and Philpola, their you know their number one center right now, Russ, is Braden Point. Yeah, I, I mean they're going to dig deep. We'll see if the goaltending is good enough, and they just have enough wherewithal to stay in it. They might. I mean, it's good that they brought Adam Ernie up. I'll tell you that because that giving him a couple of games before all this hit the fan probably helps because now he's going to be a key cog while they um, have all these injuries. It's going to be interesting, but good for Vasilevsky. I really wouldn't have expected them to win this game, uh, but they did. And so they're in it. They're still in it. Yeah. X said, X said that he knew they were going to win. I know. I, whatever. <laughs> I'm honest about it. I'm honest about it. We'll leave it like that. Now, let's just say this is not any kind of great concern right now, but I believe the Wild have lost three three games in regulation in a row. I, I remember hearing it was either this game or the last game. This was the first time they'd lost two games in regulation in a row since November. I mean, they're they're either going to finish first or second in the Central. They're, they're having a great season, but, you know, maybe this is a little aspect of them, the, the gas pedal being taken off, the foot being taken off the gas pedal just a little bit. Yeah, before before the stretch run. It could be, and because they haven't been there before, they're going to need to put it back on very soon. I always get worried about that, but we are still far enough away that they could still get on a roll. Yeah. Um, another game that was sort of interesting, I kept checking back to it, and not to know, I don't really know the reason why, because, I mean, both teams, I think, are going to make the playoffs, Anaheim and Chicago, but it continued to be one nothing. and I think the thing that I was struck by is Jonathan Bernier goes into the United Center and, and gets a one nothing shutout. Bern, you know, Bernier hasn't played great this year as the backup for Gibson, but right now with Gibson out and every point counting, they've needed Bernier to step up, and he, he came out and won against the Leafs last weekend. He goes into Chicago, gets a shutout. He's playing pretty well. Not to say that once Gibson is back, you know, Gibson isn't right. going to get all the ice time, but I think that this proves that Bernier, you know, still has something left. Yeah, I mean, I always felt like he still belonged in the league. I just, you know, think he lost his ability for a while to be a number one, and, and maybe that will still prove out. But, but again, like a good backup, he's come in there and really uh, won some big games. That was impressive yesterday. Yeah, Corey Perry with the only goal in the second period. Um, yeah. Now, Carey Price was supposed to start against the Calgary Flames in Calgary, um, was scratched late because of the flu, not not disputing that, but it was just strange. And, you know, obviously anytime anything happens with Carey Price, there's a little bit of a concern. And yep. the Flames took advantage of Al Montoya winning 5 nothing. Uh, they destroyed them. They, destroyed they, they literally destroyed them. Yeah. And now this is the thing. The Flames are absolutely scorching. They're red hot. And not to make a pun. A pun. No, no, they are. They one, are. And, and one game, eight games in a row. They have not lost since they got Michael Stone in the deal from Arizona. Not to say that's the sole reason, but. No, but I mean, again, that was a good pickup for them. Uh, here's the thing, though. 
I was a little I was a little disappointed in Montreal's defense in that game because I saw how Goudreau scored a goal low. A few of them were scored that way. A little too easy, and if you ask me, I mean, that was a weird game though because um, I think Kachuk took a uh, a stick to the face by Galchenyuk, and the and and the stick stayed there for a few seconds. It was an interesting video to see. But Matthew Kachuk had a really good game again. Another one of those guys that makes it like fifteen guys deep for rookies this year. Like this this rookie class for this year has just been unbelievable. Well, let me let me ask it because I because we talked we said the same thing last year and we looked at the you know the 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 top ten of like the uh, of the Calder uh, you know race and guys like yep. Larkin Larkin were in there and 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 obviously Eichel and McDavid. I think this one might be deeper. I mean, it's I heard deeper. Some, it's deeper. I heard, I heard somebody making a case. You, know, you, you mentioned Aho. I heard somebody making a case for Brady Shea being in the Calder race. Yeah, I think he's up to twenty nine points. I mean, and he's played great. He's playing power play. He's getting big minutes. He's everything we thought he would be. We always talked about him well on this show. But yeah, yeah he's another guy. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, Matt. You know, Eck continues to mention Matt Murray, and he's eligible. Yep. You know, William, William Nealander will finish third on his team in rookie. Uh, right. You know, but but. You know he's one of the best rookies. You know even, you know, and I'm not saying this guy should be in the in the Calder race, but you know, a guy like Connor Brown is having a really good year. So I mean, yeah, it, there's there's probably 15 to 17 guys that we literally legitimately can list that in other years would definitely be top three guys, but you can only do three this year. This year, if they could do six, it would be it would be nicer because there's that many guys that probably deserve it. Now. Uh, more on the West Coast, and I, I stayed up to watch a couple of these games. Um, Senators going to Arizona, second of back-to-back games, beat the Coyotes in overtime, three to two. Um, now, you know, again, another team that's that's red hot after the deadline. The, the Senators seem to have a lock on second place and are going are going for first. Not that not that the Canadians have struggled since the deadline, but you know they take advantage of a, of a Canadian's loss. I mean. I, I really can't believe because I, again I'll say I predicted predicted the Senators to finish thirtieth. Yeah, uh, I, I I didn't say thirtieth, but I didn't say playoffs either. I, I I'm surprised, but again we talked about it yesterday. But I, I did watch some of this game, and here's what I took out of it: Eric Carlson will be up for Norris again this year mm-hmm. because again, what does he have? About sixty points. He scored two goals yesterday. He's twelfth and thirteenth of the year. The one in overtime can't get the puck away from him. Like it's just you know people could marginalize him all they want, or they could say Brent Burns is fantastic because they like his beard. And and look, it's more to it than that. I get it. But the idea is Eric Carlson's still pretty great, and he's going to be in the conversation again. I did like the um the goals by Brendan Perlini and Lawson Kraus. Again, for Florida's sake, a team that's struggling that had injuries. How does that Lawson Kraus deal look for them? Yeah, yeah. I, Just give him more. Give him away. I still don't get that one. I really yeah. don't. It he's got. A, and look, he's only got four goals right now. But you're now seeing the the template where he could be a pretty nice NHL player. Yeah, it's going to take, take a little while. It's going to take him time. Right. Exactly. Um, Nashville and LA. In LA, the Kings win three to two. And old warhorse Jerome McGinley with uh, with one goal during regulation and a power play goal in overtime for the winner. 
you sort of yeah. got a, you sort of had a feeling that there was something left in the tank for Ginla. This is like you know Vinny Lecavier a redux. He's like, he I think ever since I interviewed him, it, he, the monkey went off his back. He got a chance to talk about it. He recognized an old friendly face, and I think I think Jerome owes me something because I think he's gotten a little push out of that. But in all seriousness. I expected him to rebound. I did. He is a guy that can score goals, period. And I knew his confidence wasn't waning. And now he's on a team that is confident. He's going to catch Joe Sackick and pass him, I told you, in goals. And that's going to be a funny day when, when that happens. And, and he's, he's edging closer. The Kings are also edging closer. And I fully make, expect them to make the playoffs. Like, I just – it didn't matter where, what place they were in two weeks ago. That team just knows how to get there. Now they're up to 70 points. St. Louis is at 71 for the final spot, final wild card spot in the in the. They're West. pretty good. They're in pretty good shape. Yeah, we'll we'll go over the the races after we go through the scores here. Um, the game that I yeah. concentrated on and the game that sort of broke the hearts of Maple Leaf fans was the Canucks and Islanders. And I have to tell you, you know, in watching that game, Josh Hosang, wow. I mean, Russ, I mean, I, I've seen him play a couple times. I saw him play with Niagara uh, last year. Um, he looks like a like a player, like a real player. I mean, he's got yeah, a, as lot, long as he, a lot of speed. As long, a lot of speed. Yeah, he's, he's got speed through the neutral zone, which is great, and puck handling skills. As long as he doesn't take stupid penalties and get undisciplined and get off his game, he'll be fine. That's the only problem with him. Otherwise, I've always liked his game. But uh, there's always that little bit of the other thing that you hope doesn't happen. But you know teams are going to test him. If he goes and plays the Maple Leafs, Kadri is going to test him. There's going to be guys that will test him, and we'll see. But, yeah, this is good for the Islanders. I mean, they're they're in pretty good position now. Well, and you never they, they, were show, they showed some resilience uh, yesterday because they, they had a 3-2 lead all throughout the third period. And Troy Stetcher ties the game with 20 seconds left to go in regulation. Yeah. And they come back in overtime, couple chances either way. And then Andrew Ladd, and, and you got to have to say this Andrew Ladd has bounced back. He's got yeah, nine picked it up. Now, from, uh, from, what I heard, from what I heard during the broadcast yesterday, they're saying that the struggles at the beginning of the year were due to injury. Now, maybe that's revisionism. All, all I know is that he's played a lot better in the second half of the year, and now up to 19 goals, not, not too bad. No, I mean, at least he's, he's, he's having an semblance of a good season. I think if he ends up with 25 goals, we'll say nothing. If he ends up with like 22, we'll say, all right, not bad. Let's see what he does in the playoffs if they get there. It's still not a complete success, but it is looking better. But the but the team's looking a lot better. I mean, we knew that they weren't making the playoffs with Jack Capuano. Like we, even though preseason I picked them as a playoff team, I I, I saw with Jack Capuano they weren't, and then I wasn't sure what was going to happen with Doug Waite. So far, so good. They still got some ways to go, but you know Thomas Grice played well. But this, you know, I got to tell you about this. This Vancouver team is still a pesky team. They are. Yeah, they they're not quitting, and, and Miller. I thought Miller played well yesterday. You know, they they did they kept fighting, but I mean, it was it was a big two points for the Islanders, and they I mean, uh, they would have to win like eight of ten to really be in it. But you know, you never know in this league. It's weird. Yeah. Um, no, looking at looking at the standings right now, starting so let's start with the West because we're out west here. Um, right now, you have the 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 Wild leading the Central Division with ninety points. Chicago one point behind at eighty nine. Nashville at 75. Those are the top three in the Central. In the Pacific, right. 
San Jose looks to be home and cooled out for uh, first place in the Pacific at 87 points. Anaheim at 80, Edmonton at 78, Calgary at 78. The, the wild card race right now uh, is basically down to St. Louis at 71 and Los Angeles at 70. Winnipeg is at 66. They maybe have an outside chance, but they're just, they're just not playing consistently. And uh, X choice of the Dallas Stars. <laughs> Sorry, X. Uh, they're six. They're there's seven points behind uh, the Blues. And the yeah, way- no, they're they're out of it. But in a weird way. If Edmonton were to lose like five in a row, they could be on the outside looking in too in a week. Yeah, well, week, week and a half. Not, I mean, knock on wood, Edmonton Oilers fans, but the one injury you can't afford right now is Cam Talbot. Right. Because you have no answer in goal if Cam Talbot goes down. Right. You know, there's a lot of teams out there that they lose one player, they're gonna their fortunes are gonna are gonna go down. But. Yeah. For them, I think losing Cam Talbot for a week and a half would be more detrimental to them than losing McDavid for. A week. Yeah, no question. I mean, because right now they, you know, they're having a really good season, but they still haven't solidified themselves yet. And Calgary may jump their spot in the division, and then they're going to be a wild card team. And once you get into that wild card pool, you never know what's going to happen. But it just seems like Calgary's hot enough now that they're going to supplant them in division, and that could be a problem for Edmonton. We'll keep an eye on that. Now, in the in the uh, in the East, in the Atlantic, Montreal has eighty four points leading the Atlantic. Ottawa is two points behind with two games in hand, uh, eighty two points. Boston at seventy six uh, for the for third place in the Metro. Washington ninety five, Columbus ninety, Pittsburgh ninety. The Rangers at 88. So those three teams are bunched up. And one one, one thing, you know, one interesting thing, and I was looking at the at the, some of the schedules, especially the Leafs going down the stretch. The last week of the season, they play Columbus, Washington, and Pittsburgh. People will th- people are thinking, okay, those guys are blocked in the playoffs. They're going to rest all their guys. They're going to rest Crosby. The- no, no, no. They're battling for playoff spots, and I don't think yeah. that the teams are. They're not. Nothing is going to be iced away. So these these games are going to mean something to Columbus and Pittsburgh. You know, and, and again, I want to mention it again because that other show put the gun to my head. If if Columbus makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I'm not going to be completely shocked. I'm not. No, it all it all depends on who how you know who they match up with. It's how it breaks. It does. It, it depends how it breaks. Now, um, so the the Rangers had the first wild card spot locked up at eighty eight points. The second wild card spot and the third place in the Atlantic are the two spots that are going to be battling. Uh, the teams are going to be battling right. for the final fifteen sixteen games of the season. Boston, like Boston, really has to come in in the Atlantic. If they if they're depending on the wild card, they're probably not going to make it. I mean, Boston has played sixty. Let's see, sixty seven games. So they have fifteen games remaining. The Leafs have played 66, so they have. The Toronto has one game in hand. The Islanders have played 66 as well. Right now, the Islanders are at one point ahead of Toronto at 75 points. Here's the bad part for Boston. Yeah. Like, like I said, you you agree, right? They have to pretty much stay in their spot in the Atlantic. I think. Now, with 15 games left, how many of those is Tukaras going to have to play? 13. I would say. Th- Although the funny thing is, Kudobin. Has won his last three in a row. 
I know, but are they going to continue to rely on him? I would say of the 15 games and not looking at their schedule, um, this is taken into consideration back-to-backs. I would say probably Rask would have to play 12 of the 15. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, that's a that's a heavy workload there. But 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 the, you know, the, I think it's I think that's the same. I mean, w- w- with Frederick like Frederick Anderson of the sixteen games, I think the Leafs only have two back to backs left. He's going to play fourteen games. Yeah. Part of part of what was going on this year with Frederick Anderson was Mike Babcock seeing if he could be a number one guy and play number one. Minutes, well, we don't know one. yet. Anderson's never played this many games. Right. We don't and, know how he's going to be. We don't. And again, knock on wood, he has had injury problems in the past. So right. we're, you know, um, I think that the the loss yesterday kills Philly. Not to say that they're completely out of it, but no, it really harpoons them. I mean, it, it's this this is a loss that really magnifies because you lose to the Leafs, and now you've got to go up against the Bruins. And the Bruins need this game as badly as you do. Now, I'm going to go back to one of my old things. You can't come out of this Bruins game with a point and think that it's a positive. They really need a win. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay. A regulation, with, a regulation win. Tampa you can't Bay give the them win. a point either. Sorry. No, it's okay. Tampa Bay with the win yesterday, they stay at 71 points. Florida's at 69. Florida's six points behind the Islanders. Um, but they're at 65 games, so they're equal in games. Now the schedule. Now here's the thing not- about Florida: they, um, because of injury, they're going to start Dennis Malgin again tonight at the wing, who does have a, a great arsenal of speed and stick skills. And we'll see because they really need scoring. We'll see if they're able to get it out of Malgin. They need a spark. They have to go on a winning streak, or they're going to be in trouble. And they're playing the Wild in the second of back-to-back. So, you know, after losing badly uh, to badly to Tampa yesterday. Yeah, they're going to get Kempner in goal, which might help him, might not. Right. He's pretty but, good. But, you know, honestly, based on – and I know I'm being hard on James Reimer and some Leaf fans who are Reimer fans are not not too pleased with me. But, honestly, I would start Red O'Bara. I, I would. I, I don't think they – I don't think they could, but if if – Reimer doesn't look good. I wouldn't hesitate pulling him. I'll go that far. Yeah, we have. There's five games on the schedule tonight. The Wild and the Panthers are the are, is one of them. Uh, the Buffalo Sabers and uh, Columbus Blue Jackets in in Columbus. I think this. I think actually it's a home and home. I think Columbus plays here tomorrow night. Um, the Chicago at the Detroit Red Wings. Ducks and Blues in St. Louis, and I think the match of the night is Sidney Crosby and the Penguins visiting Connor McDavid and the Oilers. That is the match of the night. That's that, and that's a game that Edmonton really needs to get a point out of. They do. Yeah. Now, I I didn't read the entire statement, and uh, and if I can pull it up here, um, there there was some reaction from some players. I know that you mentioned something about Voracek. Yeah, Voracek thinks that it's sort of ridiculous the way the uh, the Olympic process is going. Now and it's it's ironic. Then now and this is here. This is just my conspiratorial mind coming. David Backus came out and made a statement regarding 
the the, the probable non-participation in the Olympics. So this to me sounds like the PA sent out a message to everybody says, okay guys, make your reservations known. Let's put the pressure on the league because the league is leaning towards not going. And you've had two prom prominent players, you know, one who played for Team USA in Sochi come out and say, you know, this is, you know, my family looks forward to this, Bobo. I mean, honestly, I don't think the league cares about the individual complaints of the players. If it's not beneficial to the league, they're not going. No, but I think the fans care. And so I think the players wanted it to be known that they want to play. And that's fine. I think that's we expected. We would expect that to happen. I, I, I'm not shocked by any of it happening. What I'm kind of a little surprised at is no answer back from the league. Which to me indicates they've already made up their mind. Unless they get the yeah. concessions from whoever, from the IOC yeah. or the IIHF. If there was something close, they would have struck back with a remark, but they didn't. Right. And and, and they didn't. And I think that that means that their, their position is hard and yes. already determined. And the only way that they're going to reverse course is if they get what they want. And I don't know what that is, and I don't know who, who that's from, but if they don't, I don't think they're going. But I, I, you know, me being the impatient person that I am, I just want them to make this decision now and get it over with because I don't think really it's going to change one way or the other. Yeah, I, I'm in the same camp as you. I wish it would work that way, but it hasn't. I don't know why. I mean, you should know at this point what's going on. I mean, again – if I go back to the World Juniors and just sort of listening to what Rene Fassel said at that point, I wasn't very confident. I still, I, I still suffer from the same lack of confidence. Yeah, I want to, I want to pull up this letter, see if I can find this quickly okay. here. If I can't, um, did your mother send a letter to the NHL again? <laughs> Yes, I volunteered to draft for the St. Louis Blues again. Uh, no, no, I can't. Okay, I can't find the letter, but I'll just give you the 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 gist of it. And I was taken, sort of taken aback by it because the it was the former mayor of Glendale, Arizona, responding to Gary Bettman's ultimatum regarding the the bill apparently that's in front of the Arizona legislature or it's a referendum. I'm not I'm not sure which, but basically putting pressure, saying we can't play in Glendale. And we need this new building someplace else. It, we can't make a go of it in Glendale. And the ex-mayor of Glendale came out and excoriated uh, Batman. So basically saying, you said essentially the same things 15 years ago when the Glendale building was built. And, you know, essentially made Batman look really bad. But I, I this to me... I mean, luckily for Batman, he's not the current mayor. So... Well, yeah, but but honestly, I, I don't think this matters one way or the other. I think what the whole ultimatum was was the fact that they know that they may have have run out of options here. They, I think they're hoping, you know, that maybe the this ultimatum turns things around, but but I'm not, I don't think they're going to hold their breath. And once they once it gets turned down, this is the justification that the NHL can use to say, okay, they're not going to help us, so we're going to go someplace else. The interesting thing will be, is this a situation where we're going to get an answer to this before the draft, or are we going to get an answer like right after the draft on July 1st, hey, this doesn't look good in, in Arizona, and then what happens for the upcoming season? Like, is all of a sudden that going to be in flux, and they're going to have to find a place to play? 
I mean, is it going to get that bad or are they going to come to an agreement for one more year and then, and then have to look, we really don't know. And, and so once Glendale fires back for real with the real mayor, not the former, then, then we'll know exactly where they stand. It doesn't look good though. Well, I mean, they're covered, they're covered in both eventualities because if they decide they're going to do an Atlanta thrashers and just, you know, essentially, which again, we do need to tell the audience okay. was being denied right up to the minute until they moved. So right. you can't go by what's always said publicly when it's called, when, when you're dealing with the team moving because the leagues never want a team to move. And if you remember, we never got any kind of word it was happening. And then all of a sudden it happened. Yeah. Just ignore those Mayflower trucks. They're not the right. same ones that were used for the Baltimore Colts. Just ignore them. Right. And then right. all of a sudden, boom, and the it, you know it's it happens. But if you look at the way that the Quebec City, you know the the, the arena is built, it's already the ownership group or the potential ownership group has not said a peep in months. They're playing the the, the NHL game, which is don't make any noise and you'll get your team eventually. Now, is it is it a case where they, now the only difference, the only problem with that, if they decided to make a quick move and can't, you know, they can't stay in Glendale. The only problem is, is scheduling wise, it'll be a, a cluster like yeah. like Winnipeg from going from Atlanta. Winnipeg had to play in the Eastern Conference for a year, right? They, and that's why knowing that that had happened, maybe they use that Seattle Arena first so they don't have that happen. Right now, that that's the thing. I mean, we don't know whether. I mean, the, the key arena is going to. I mean, look, they play hockey there. I yeah. saw basketball there. I didn't see hockey, but enough fans go there for the Seattle Thunderbirds that you got to believe they can make it workable. I know it's not an ideal situation for an NHL team, but they can make it workable for a season. I'm sure. Yeah, see, but it probably will take longer than a year to get that new. And if it's talking about refurbishing that building, it's probably going to take a year or so. If it's ta if they're talking about going to the new building that you know those are two bids, it's going to take longer than that. So, well, you but the they might they might refurbish as they go along, and when they're in there for that first year, and right. then worry about it later, or they simply just you know use the building for a year and then look for another spot down the road maybe then it goes to quebec or somewhere else i mean again this team does have owners in arizona so that does make it sticky where they can't just you know they'd have to sell the team or keep or just move the the franchise and i think i think the owners would still be the owners and they would just move the franchise the only thing that i think weighs against the possible quick move of them in you know in the summer is the fact that this is the same summer that they're expanding in Vegas. And they wouldn't want to step on Vegas by having another team move somewhere else. It just, you know, it shows, you know, Vegas and the expansion shows, you know, the profitability and the success of the league. Right. On one hand, and then on the other hand, you have a team that's packing up uh, moving trucks and moving it's, parts unknown. It's the last thing they'd want to happen, but sometimes things happen and they happen. Right. I know that's not a great explanation, but that's just the way it no, is. No, no, you're right. You're right. Um, okay. Well, good show, Russ. Um, we will be back on Monday. Uh, Ak, myself, and you will be back. Maybe we'll have some guests during the week. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be some uh, meaningful games this weekend. I know that the, the Leafs play in Carolina. That'll be a tough game. And I know that uh, uh, I think the I, the Bruins – the uh, you, who did you say the Bruins were playing? Because that was – I didn't. You did. Okay, uh, let me. I, I just want to 
because I mean there were a couple key matchups here. Let me just pull it quick them up. Put, quickly pull them up and uh, while I learn how to talk here. The Flyers at the Bruins, 1 p.m. on Saturday. Right. And uh, the Panthers and the Lightning meet on Saturday. So that, you know. The, That's a biggie. What, what you'll see at the end of the weekend is probably that race of three. Is that game in Florida or is it in? It's in, ta- it's in Tampa. It's in Tampa. I was going to say, if that was in Florida, they might actually sell that out. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, a lot of Tampa fans. That's true. Okay, well. Good show, Russ. Uh, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Jello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.